the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. I'm publisher Andy Jackson and joining me as always is editor Trevor Trahan. Hello. Trev, let's uh, kick off. Asian Champions League wrap-up, last round of games uh, over the last two nights. Uh, saw Melbourne last night uh, pick up, yeah, you'd probably say a creditable draw away. Yep. Um, and Sydney FC went down 2-1 to Kashima having taken the lead. Uh, I mean, let's sum up the campaigns as a whole. Let's talk about Melbourne first. Yep. I mean, just a horror start, wasn't it, really? I mean, if this had been their first game and they got a point away, then you, you feel like that's something for them to build on, but... When you get the start that they they did get, um, it makes it virtually impossible when you, you're in a situation where you pretty much have to win um, every single game. And and that's what seems to be happening quite often, isn't it? Is that they're not coming out of the blocks or they're not even giving themselves a chance to kick on and, and make it through. And I think we all remember what we were saying last season when these two were going in. Melbourne and Sydney, we finally got you know the two bigger sides into the Asian Cup, better crowd, better chance of winning. And... It's really disappointing, and it felt like it's dragged on forever now, doesn't it? The Asian mm. Champions League. Well, I mean, you know, the last four games they're unbeaten, uh, three Sorry, draws yeah. and a win. Uh, they beat Tianjin at home, who have, have gone on to qualify. I mean, Gambia, Osaka, and Tianjin uh, were the teams that progressed, both with ten points. Victory had six in the end. I mean, it, the other thing as well is it still doesn't seem to be capturing the imagination of the no. crowds down there. I mean, they've been averaging around the seven thousand mark. I mean, is it success that is going to do that, or, or are we just sort of, you know, are people just not that excited about this competition? Yeah, I mean, success will, but we can't rely on that. There has to be a, a, a broader interest, not just in Australia, but across the whole of Asia. And it ends up being a bit like the um, the Europa League in Europe, where people become interested from the semi-finals forward, but no yeah. one else is really too bothered, you know, earlier on. Yeah. Um, Sydney FC uh, didn't finish bottom of their group. They finished uh, mm. third in their group, uh, but with five points, actually a point less than uh, Melbourne. Sydney FC, I mean, uh, you know, going into this as the double winners, but as we talked about before, you know, there's a long time between qualifying and playing. Completely um, different team. Completely, <laughs> completely different team. And obviously Sydney uh, were really sort of stifled by their inability to win at home. Yeah. You know, they, they drew... Um, and lost, you know, drew two, lost one. So, um, you know, it's, I mean, where do, where do we see the, the Australian teams going in the Asian Champions League next year? I mean, obviously next season we'll have the Mariners and Brisbane. We've talked about Brisbane before as possibly having the best chance since Adelaide to equip themselves well. I think because there is a, there appears to be a style of play that, that Ange has developed there that, that isn't as critical the individuals that they will play the same way and I would imagine that it'll be a way that will suit playing against the Asian teams. Yeah, I mean, it won't be such a, a hideous mismatch, will it? Because I, I think there were, there were periods of the games when I was watching Melbourne and Sydney, um, especially when you're taking on someone like, you know, Gambara Saka, where they just knock around the ball and look like they're on another level. I don't think that's going to happen with Brisbane, but each year if you seem to feel quite optimistic about what if A-League teams done well that they might be able to kick on. It depends a lot on how well Brisbane keep that team together because there was a real concern it was going to get dismounted. Um, Matt Mackay seemingly the most likely to, to move on. But if they keep the same team, then yeah, they're a great chance. Well, I mean, they've already lost Solazano, so he will be lining up for victory next year. And there, there was obviously Barbarusis was off trial in Italy. I've not heard any more on that. No. 
Um, but I mean, Brosh is staying. I mean, that's that's a massive deal. He's he's easily the most important player. Um, but it's just about keeping, you know, Matt McKay as well. Right, we'll have a bit of fun. I'll run oh. through the teams that have qualified. <laughs> Fulad, Mubareki, oh. Sepahan. Love them. Al Halil, uh, Al Sad, and Al Nazir. Uh, Al Itiad and Bunyodko from Uzbekistan. Uh, Zobahan from Iran. Al Shabab. Uh, Gambrasaka, Tianjin, Tada. Uh, FC Seoul, Nagoya Grampus. Uh, Jean-Buc Hyundai Motors, Soretzo Osaka, uh, Suwang Samsung Blue Wings, Kashima Antlers, and that's it. That makes up the last uh, 16. Mm. Well, no, people aren't interested. <laughs> do we see, uh, and do we, can you look beyond the Japanese teams for a winner, or do you think it's going to come from one of the... Every time I watch Gamba, I, I'm convinced that they're going to go on and win it, and it's not exactly a... Um, audacious claim to make is it? They're clearly one of the best teams in it. But from what I've seen of you know, and I have only seen the games that have involved Australian teams. Um, you know, Gamba are a really good bet there. Okay. Uh, well, there's a big break now until the until the knockout stages, which I think is is it September October it, it restarts. So um, so we will be keeping an eye on that, and we'll, we'll see who uh, who goes the distance in that. A um, couple of titles that that have been decided in Europe. Uh, this week were AC Milan uh, won the uh, Serie A title. 18th, 18th title. 18th Serie A title with a 0-0 draw at Roma, uh, which meant that they couldn't be caught with two games to go. What an Italian way to win the title. <laughs> <laughs> they only needed a point and that's now, all they were going for. My stat of the day. Hit me. Zlatan Ibrahimovic. is <laughs> useless. That was his eighth consecutive league title, club league title, with five teams... And three leagues. Yep. Stretching yep. back to Ajax, then Juventus, uh, Barcelona, Inter Milan, and AC Milan. Yep. So, not in that order, obviously. Um, so, if uh, I would argue that if Manchester City want to crack at the Premier League, <laughs> yeah. they should sign Ibrahimovic in the summer because he <laughs> seems to. Yeah, he's a bit of an enigma, isn't he? Because you, you know, I can't your him. initial comment there, Trev, you know, but you can't argue <laughs> no. with. He, he's I played mean, for some good teams. Players, he's played for some good teams. But how many other players could say they've won the league title in eight consecutive <coughs> years in three countries? No, look, he, he obviously does do a job and scores spectacular goals. He's just one of those people that doesn't have an endearing attitude. So it's quite difficult oh, yeah, he's a nutter. to like. He's an absolute nutter. Yeah, so, no, yeah, we can dress it up however we like, but yeah. he's a nutter. And I think something's going to, you know, because he doesn't get involved on the international stage as much because he plays for Sweden. Um, and because he's never really done it in the big, you know, European games on a regular basis, that still dogs him. So until he hits, you know, a fair amount of goals on the way to a Champions League victory, I think there's there's always going to be those murmurs about him. And it was uh, it was a win, obviously, and a, and a title that was all the more sweet because it put an end to Inter's run of five straight league crowns. Yeah. So um, the other thing that was on, on an aside that was uh, the other interesting point of the celebrations was uh, Pato's. Uh, blossoming relationship with uh, President and Italian Prime Minister's uh, Silvio Berlusconi's daughter, Barbara. There's a, apparently a very public kiss. Ooh, so, Barbara? That's Barbara, not... Barbara Berlusconi. Bad <laughs> Berlusconi. <laughs> so that's one way to commit yourself to a, a career at AC Milan, because it's yeah. probably very difficult to leave now. I wouldn't, um, you want to get I wouldn't break her heart. Him, <laughs> yeah, so anyway. So uh, also this morning... Um, 
La Liga was decided with Barcelona's draw. Uh, both teams winning uh, by way of a, a, a drawn game. Um, it was one all at Levante, uh, which was enough to, uh, to take the title for them. Uh, they're now six points ahead with two games to go. Uh, with a vastly superior goal difference, so uh, it's a goal difference of 12. Um, so, and even if uh, Real Madrid, Barcelona were to lose those two games, and Real Madrid it actually goes on head to head, so um, right, that meant Barcelona were crowned champions. So I actually watched the second half of this. I couldn't sleep this morning at stupid o'clock, so I got up, and this was the only football on. I mistakenly put on it when it went. Uh, Football League Championship I thought oh playoff first leg it was a replay of the weekend <laughs> um, so I ended up watching this and uh, I'll tell you what Lionel Messi it's good had two dribbles and he hit the post with one and just wide with the other both of which would have been better than his goal against Real Madrid yeah. they were within like five or six minutes of each other beating five and six men twist turn flick it over the keeper it was unbelievable um, interesting that Ronaldo's going to win the golden boot there now. Yeah, he's got he's, a hat-trick. Yeah, he's he's only hat-trick. Got, was it back-to-back hat-tricks or yeah. four and a three or something like that? So, so he'll be happy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> as, he, as long as he wins something. Yeah, he, he's been looking good all season and he's won the golden boot. He's, he's done his end. The fact he hasn't passed and he shoots every time he picks up the ball doesn't seem to bother him. Yeah, and so, um, you know, Barcelona... I, I, the one thing that he did pick up from this, though, and, and the goal, if you, if you see the Levante goal, it was an awful... Mix-up between uh, PK and uh, Victor Valdez. And, um, you know, they got in an awful mess on the edge of the box and the player just uh, ran through and scored. You'd probably say that that's Man United's glimmer of hope for the mm. Champions League final. Well, more than the glimmer is that, you know, at the back, you'd probably say that they're, they're not the best. No, they, they have those moments, I think is probably the fairest thing to say about them. Um, yeah, I don't think Man U are going to be scared about playing them as such. I think they, you know, they, didn't, they know everyone expects Barcelona to win, but that, that's not going to stand in their way. Look at the points difference between Barcelona in first and Valencia in third. So <laughs> Barcelona are on 92 points. 25 points. Basically. I mean, that's insane, isn't it? It's 12 wins. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, I mean, and, and the, the, the more concerning thing is you just don't see how any of those teams are going to be able to challenge those two because they're just on such a different level no. both financially and therefore you know in terms of uh, the playing roster that they can assemble is just too good for anyone else and, mm. and ultimately and, and the, the sort of worrying thing there is that that league is decided by those two head-to-head games yeah you know every season and if you lose those it's almost like you know well we'll just keep winning and they'll just keep winning and yeah i mean i suppose in a way valencia at third have won the second title yeah the only other title yeah, you know, so if you comes like the... third. Uh, at the bottom uh almeria are, are gone uh hercules are all but gone uh and rails aragossa and getafe and deportivo will probably be fighting out at the bottom there for the last one um so the, the Champions League places will be Barcelona, Real Madrid, and uh, barring a disaster, Valencia. And in Italy, uh, at the bottom, Bari, Brescia, and Sampdoria. That's a fall from grace yeah, for Sampdoria. No. They have plummeted um, from being a Champions League spot down to potential relegation. And, and looking good in the Champions League as well, don't they? Yeah, yeah and uh, so it looks like we will see Napoli in the uh, Champions League next year. Because yep. uh, it's just three from Italy next year. So it uh, looks like Udinese will miss out. Um, 
All right, that's it for uh, part one. We'll be back in part two to have a look at some of the news that's been making headlines on our website, au.442.com. We all have goals, but sometimes we need a little help along the way. The best advice and assistance on your journey can make an enormous difference. Tiger Management and PR represents up-and-coming and and established TV and radio presenters, performers and sports people. So if you're wondering how you'll rise to the next level, engage the services of Tiger Management and PR and you'll no longer be alone. Call 1300-784-212 to find out more or visit tigermanagement.com.au. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. We're going to look a little bit closer to home now for some of the news that's been making headlines on the website this week. Um, even though it's an off-season for the A-League, there's still plenty of news to talk about. So uh, this week saw uh, Frank Lowy give a, an in-depth interview with Mike Cockrell over at the Sydney Morning Herald, Trev. Um, yep. Talking about a range of issues uh, and the fact that you know it's been a tough 12 months for the FFA. Um, he said, "Bar uh, if we can get the A League right, he'd give us uh, him and his team nine out of 10. Mm. That that's a big if, in terms of ifs go, isn't it? If I was brilliant at football, I could be a professional footballer type if, isn't it? Um, well, he didn't say if. I'd give us a nine out of 10. Um, yeah, I mean, it, that is the main issue, isn't it? I mean, the, the headline A-League is, is that big challenge. I, th- I think we all knew it. Um, you know, I know Kevin was making a good point on the pod last week. It's We know about the achievements that have taken place. You know, we're not saying they're not incredible achievements and we've not come a long way. But a lot um, of people are. Well, A lot of people conveniently do forget about... Yeah, but yeah. I mean, uh, the, the what, FN... the Ro- what the Romans done for us, apart yeah. from the roads, <laughs> the, and the Ro- sanitation, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, and the schools and the hospitals. And... But I mean, if you'd read any comments from anyone at the FFA, that's their party line is constantly yeah. going on about what they've what they've done. For people like us that cover it every day, we're fully aware of it. What we're interested in is what's going to happen next and what's in plan to kick on, really. Um, and that's what I think we want to hear more about and, and the changes we want to see. And I, I suppose the FFA Cup. Is the next big thing, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Um, which, to be honest, I'm still a little bit sceptical about. I'm, I, I'm not entirely sure what it's going to achieve. I think we need to, um, you know, generate more money and, and gain more interest. I, I'm not entirely sure if those games are going to do that, but I think that's going to be the next focus. Yeah. Now the interesting thing that came out of this as well was the, you know, was the the confirmation that you know. I can't see any reason why Frank Lowy would not be reappointed for his third term as chairman. No. But this is, that is then his final term. So, you know, we're on a four-year countdown to find out who is going to be the next chairman of the FFA. Yep. Um, and that's, uh, you know, that is a big question mark, you know, because I guess who would, who would you look to for someone that could step up into that figurehead role with the sort of clout that he has brought both in the sort of business world and the political world and mm. and just by being Frank Lowy. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's the thing about, you know, being chairman. I mean, arguably, Buckley's role as CEO is more important because it's day-to-day. But what Lowy does well is, like you say, the politics. And, and opening the, doors. Yeah, the, the figurehead stuff and, the, the you know, all that sort of thing. So you need someone specifically designed. And he's, he's you can get far f- further with a billion dollars and a kind smile than you can exactly, with yeah. a kind smile. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he is an affable character, isn't he? he yeah, he's absolutely. a good guy. And, and he's I, also 81. You know, he's going to be yeah. 85 by the time this final term's over. So yeah, um, I, that's very hard to to pull candidates together. I mean, I, I suppose they'll probably look towards who else is currently on the FFA board 
to who could fill that role. Okay. Um, well, what, well, a new addition at the FFA has been uh, ex-SBS uh, personality Carl Patterson. Now, he's, uh, he's been on the front foot and uh, has given us a couple of interviews this week. Uh, the first one was to talk about our survey, which we'll go into in a bit more detail. So, um, in one fell swoop, proving that the FFA do listen and, yeah. and are willing to, uh, to, be, to be open about where they, where they may have failed or where they may have not to come up to scratch um, but he's also talked about uh, the new season and the fact that there will be you know a freshening of the, of the approach with more holiday games less with midweek fixtures the midweek fixtures that there are will be put into the holiday period which I think makes that does make perfect sense, yeah. sense you know the strategic review has been done um, there's, there's no sort of confirmation as to when that will be released uh, and, and I'm assuming that it, that it would be released um, and I guess you know he's hinted towards you know a significant investment in marketing of the league this season, um, which you would which you would hope that there would be because they, you know when they would close North Queensland Fury, the line was that you know it would take two million dollars to to keep North Queensland Fury going for another season, and the whole league needed that investment rather than one club. So you know they've now sort of said that that they have to do that, you know, and uh, we need to see. Um, a significant marketing effort this season, Trev, do you agree? Yeah, completely. I mean, it <clears throat> seems to slip down each year, hasn't it, the, the marketing and, and how much exposure the league gets. And I don't think it's, it's about marketing and, and having the right campaign. I think it's about figuring out who they want to target and making sure that message gets to them. So if, if they want completely new consumers that haven't been to any games before, um, they need to make sure that's the right market and get it right. If they're trying to get people back, because... I'd argue that's what they need to do first. If yeah, the crowds well, that's, are dropping, that's your low-hanging fruit. People that, yeah. you know, we were in the situation last season where members weren't turning up. <laughs> you know, where season ticket holders were not turning up at games. You yeah, know, that, that's worrying. That, to me, is the first thing you need to put right. Is, um, you know, and, and I'm sure that, you know, the membership season tickets are cards now mm. with readers on them, with scanned. So I would imagine that, or if not, it should be, the technology would be there to actually look individually mm. as to which members didn't come to every game. Yeah. And if I was the club, I would be, I would be phoning those people up mm. saying, hey, we, just, we saw that you paid for you know, 11 home or 15 home games last year and we, we saw you only came to six. Would you mind telling us why? Yeah. You know, was it kick-off times? Was it quality of the football? Was it the match day experience? You know, there, exactly. There's your first sort of, you know, it's in the, you know, in the stages and I think we could, you know, we, we need to fight to get those people back first before we start trying to convert the sort of, you know, the new fans, if you like. Yeah, I had an interesting conversation with a, a Sydney fan who I go to games with occasionally and he always buys a membership and doesn't go all that often. I said, you know, why do you buy one then? And he just said, guilt. <laughs> his thing is, he feels like, you know, his city's been given an A-League club and he should be buying a membership each season. Yeah. But the other factors about you know it not being that appealing, them playing badly, would stop him going. But he always feels like he needs to take the membership out. And right. I mean, that's anecdotal evidence, so it doesn't prove anything. But I thought it was an interesting perspective. Mm. And uh, you know, I think as well. I just think you know, in the first sort of couple of seasons, the marketing was was cool. It Fresh was talked new, about. Right? Yeah. People that weren't, you know, people were talking about it that weren't necessarily football fans. I just think we need to, you know, I just think we need to excite people again. You know, yeah. we need to, 
excite our core audience to be going out and spreading the word. Go, hey, have you seen the new A League ad? Have you seen the, yeah. you know, and just reignite their sort of passion, you know, and make it exciting again. Um, obviously, one of the key linchpins to, to all of this, and, and in the shadow of uh, the AFL's phenomenal one and a quarter billion TV deal, is the next uh, FFA deal, which is uh, expires in mid 2013. But you'd imagine that negotiations are are probably ongoing already and, and will, you know, when we get into 2012, reach sort of fever pitch. Um, now, Harold Mitchell at the Sydney FC business luncheon gave a, you know, a pretty downcast forecast uh, as to what that might be worth. Um, ben Buckley's come out on the front foot saying, you know, we've, we've now got six years of consistent viewing audiences when the, the first deal was done, and he's right, you know, the, the A-League was a white blank sheet of paper, um, you know, so it, it has moved forward. You know, we have now got a league. We have now got clubs that, have, you know, in some instances, been going for six, seven years. Mm. But that only works if you know the predictions were lower than what the constant viewing is. If if we're saying, oh, we're going to get this amount and ended up getting lower, you're in a worse position because it's, you know, there's actual proof of what the audience is. Yeah. You know, and and Ben points towards, you know, the, the sort of proliferation of devices now that people consume their content on from mobile phones to tablets, you know, the iPad. It's a hungry it's a beast that needs to be fed. It is a hungry beast, you know. <laughs> uh, and, and to that degree, I, you know, he's right. There are a number of more touch points now and, and potential revenue streams for the broadcaster. Mm. Um, you know, we've seen Fox Sports selling their iPad app. And so that's very different to the, the opportunity that was there six years ago for yeah. Fox Sports to monetize those rights. Mm. So, um, have, have you ever been on the um, the NBA pass? The ones that I've seen over Mac's shoulder, yeah, it's it, phenomenal. Isn't it's it? absolutely unbelievable. I mean, the Americans do things like that incredibly well, but it's basically watching every single basketball game in HD, and the, the quality of the stream and the way that they pitch it all together is, yeah, I mean, not, not right for us, but, I mean, it just strengthens the point of it's not just about sticking on TV anymore. All right, well, in a, in a long off-season, we're uh, desperate for any news of games. And um, one very big announcement this week was the confirmation of Celtic's tour down under, um, which has been confirmed as a slight change to the date of the Central Coast Mariners game. It's actually been brought forward now to the Saturday night, 7.30 kick-off at ANZ Stadium. Um, and I've got a bit of an exclusive that I Ooh. can read that... Um, the ticket prices are going to be in the sort of low twenty dollars for general admission. Really? And I, I believe that kids under twelve are going to be allowed in free. Wow. Well, I saw a converse, conversation on Twitter, and they were saying they were going to be between forty and ninety, and people were saying it was too much. But I mean, that price is. I think this is for A and Z. Right. Okay. Yeah, because obviously there's a, there's an eighty thousand stadium there. Yeah. Um, and obviously it's Saturday night, they're trying to you know, get families along. So I think it, if if that is confirmed and I, I think it will be soon that kids under 12 are going in free I mm. think that's a real did they do that for the Everton game no no and I think the cheapest prices were was it 45 bucks 40 mm. 45 bucks they had the Timmy factor there I suppose but. yeah so from there that's Saturday night July the 2nd uh, the following Friday uh, they will play Perth Glory the NIB Stadium uh, which I'm pretty confident they'll sell out 20, just over 20,000 and then they return to Melbourne uh, to play Melbourne Victory on July the 13th at Amy Park. Now that is a game that I'm looking forward to seeing. Yeah. Proper football stadium, 30,000 Celtic and Melbourne Victory. Our best supported club singing off against the Celtic fans. I think I might have to go down for that game. Mm. If, if I had a game in Sydney and one in Melbourne, I probably wouldn't have one in Perth in between. I wonder what the reason for that is. 
don't know, mm. air miles. <laughs> Maybe. I just fancy getting them up. Um, well, I mean, interestingly, uh, overnight Celtic beat Hearts to uh, to set up a potential helicopter Sunday. This Sunday so is what's known in a, in Scotland. When they, obviously Scotland's not a particularly big country, and uh, when it goes down to the final uh, Sunday, normally, obviously between Celtic and Rangers, they have the trophy and a helicopter at hand to to get the trophy to whichever stadium uh, the team wins. And, and there was a famous one when uh, Scott McDonald played a major role in Helicopter Sunday. So he scored he scored for Motherwell against Celtic. Right. Very late on, that cost them the cost Celtic the league, and the trophy was had to then be helicoptered over to Rangers. So uh, that's interesting. In the Premier League, they don't do that. They have a, a faux tr- trophy because I remember one year when it was uh, Man U, and they were at West Ham, and it was when Blackburn won the title at Liverpool. At Liverpool. They had they the had two. Both. Yeah, they had yeah. they have two. So we actually had the the trophy at West Ham, which is about the closest we are <laughs> ever going to get to. <laughs> Did you get a photo? Of it? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't bring it out. And, um, the other thing, obviously, is that Celtic are also, I believe, in the Scottish Cup final. So um, maybe they'll bring, if they win both trophies, maybe they'll bring them down with them. The fans yeah. can get along and get a photo. Might suggest that, actually. <laughs> uh, we talked about uh, Reese Williams, who's been coming back from uh, serious injury. And there's been a link with him um, moving to Bolton, which, uh, obviously, under Owen Coyle, Bolton have been uh, revitalised and had a fantastic season. Uh, FA Cup semi-final hiding aside. However, uh, Tony Mowbray has uh, put to bed. Love that. Yeah. He's put it to bed. He's taken that speculation. <laughs> it's gone. He's put it to bed. He's tucked it in and he's said, uh, see you in the morning. Uh, he's obviously saying he's going nowhere. Because um, he's cheap. Because Reese Williams is a, is a cheap date. It's basically what the story said, wasn't it? Because they've got a massive problems with wage bills. Um, Reese isn't one of those problems. Yeah. So as he said, you know, whose salaries aren't hurting this football club financially, um, they're going to they're gonna hold on to him. But, I mean, it sounds a little bit like if the right offer come in, they'd, they'd still let him go. And ultimately, for, for Reece, it's, yeah, it's easy to forget, he's, he's only 22. Mm. You know, he's still, he can still be eligible for the Olympics. Mm. Um, so, you know, it'd be great to see a young Aussie in the Premier League. Yeah. You know, that's what we need. You know, we, we've sort of... You know, we've seen that erosion, really, of the likes of, you know, Harry and Lucas, you know, sort of in the twilight of their careers, moving away to other leagues in Europe. Um, for us, I think, you know, we need to see some young Aussies getting spots in Premier League teams, and certainly a Premier League team like Bolton on the up would be a, would be a great place for him. Yep. Uh, FIFA. It's all <laughs> kicking friends off. Friends at FIFA. Lord Treesman. Mm. As... Uh, Obviously, Lord Treesman was uh, was heading up the English bid until uh, a scandal, uh, a sting, uh, made him resign, and he's now broken his silence uh, and come out and he's thrown a few cannons around. He's thrown a few cannonballs around about the bribery, um, and this is all in the countdown to the June the first uh, election for FIFA president, which is obviously a two-horse race between Sepp Blatter and Mohammed bin Amman. Um Trev. Sunday yeah. Times again. Yeah. You know, well, FIFA have asked for more details and any evidence. Not surprisingly, <laughs> some of the names that have been caught up in these accusations. Jack Warner. No. Not, Apparently not, so. not honest Jack. Apparently so. <laughs> no way. I'm, I'm not a believer in the, um, you know, there's, the, there's no smoke without fire because I think that's lazy logic. 
But we've gone beyond smoke, haven't we? And there's a big, obvious, raging fire of corruption in FIFA. Um, and you have to wonder, you know, when is it going to come to uh, to a head? I mean, the amount of evidence that's come out and people are saying this and, you know, the amount of books you can go and read, not just foul. I mean, if you read FA Confidential, um, David Davis, when he was at the FA, openly talking about, you know, members of FIFA wanting money for yeah. votes. You know. Well, there were, di- there were direct allegations of bribes paid for votes for Qatar. And it's the Qatar 2022 bid that is the one that's in the spotlight. Um, you know, Blatter has, uh, has, you know, has, has promised swift action to deal with this before the vote. Now, is he creating a rod for his own back there? Uh, I think it's quite likely he's not going to find anything wrong in the next three weeks. You know, I think that's just PR, isn't it, saying that he's going to do something fast about it in the next three weeks. Um, I can't believe... You know he's not across, not across as in making it happen, but he he must know what's going on in his own backyard, and as much as he tries to plead otherwise, um, he, he's got to be fully aware. Maybe Australia could sneak sneak back in with a default well, there is, victory. There, 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 there is talk about that. There is talk about either a, a revote or an award, a, a, an awarding of 2022 to somebody else. I mean, I think that's a long US shot, but um, but like US, you would argue if it went to a revote, would probably be best placed. Hey, but remember when Villa knocked West Ham out of the Carling Cup because we fielded Absolutely. a player that would play somewhere else on loan? Anything can happen. One of the funnier ones this one, I thought, was Nicholas Leos, who's the president of the South American Football Federation, who's just come out and denied claims that he has to be knighted <laughs> in exchange for his support of England's 2018 team. incredible. Love it. If you're already loaded, just see what else you can ask for. Arise, Sir Nicholas. Uh, <laughs> All right, well, the next three weeks will be pivotal in that, so we'll, uh, we'll watch with interest as, as that unfolds. Um, final piece of news uh, was uh, Alex Brosk got off the mark for his mm-hmm. first goal in the J-League uh, with a 1-1 draw with Nagoya. Um, some of the other Aussies overseas, uh, Eddie Bosnar played full, a full game. Uh, Josh Kennedy uh, picked up an injury and was absent from that game. Uh, Patty Kiznorbo made his first That's appearance in 13 months. Yep. Uh, in Leeds is 2-1 win at QPR so that's, uh, that's great news for, uh, for the for Socceroos as, as well as uh, Leeds United they've just missed out on the playoffs I think yeah they did uh, that they, game. They, they needed to win and I think Reading needed to get hammered and they, whilst they won it wasn't enough um, but you'd probably say you know, they're, they're obviously on a you know, one of the better supported clubs in that league and if they can keep on building and hold on to their squad obviously Neil Kilkenny's there as well that they'll They'll be there or thereabouts next season. Mm. All right, that's it for uh, part two. We'll be back in part three where we're going to go into a bit of uh, deeper analysis in the results of our fan survey, which we conducted at the end of the season. So we'll pick out some of the main talking points from that after the break. The new issue of 442 is on sale now, where we go behind the scenes of EPL Giants Liverpool. We interview new owner John W. Henry, plus returning coach Kenny Dalglish on their master plans to bring the title back to Anfield. We have the first major interviews with Liverpool's new strike force of Andy Carroll and Luis Suarez, plus a profile on how captain Steven Gerrard might reinvent himself as a centre-back while Jamie Carragher chats Australia, including if he would consider joining the A-League. Elsewhere, we're in Utrecht with housemates Tommy Orr, Michael Zullo and Adam Sirota. We look at match-fixing in Asia and if it could come to Australia, plus our 2011 Reader's Census reveals what you really think of the A-League, FFA and Ben Buckley. Back to 442 Insider. 
Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. We're going to take a, a deeper look at the results of our fan census, which we conducted on the website as soon as the season finished across a range of issues uh, to do with the A-League and Australian football in general. We're going to pick out, it's obviously in the magazine that's on sale now, which is our uh, Liverpool special. Uh, there's around six, seven, eight pages in there on the uh, fan census. So we'll pick out some of the, the, the talking points. Trev, um, yep. yeah, we asked about the, expa- the next expansion team. Uh, not surprisingly, would you say, 46% Western Sydney? Yeah, no, there can be, I don't think, any debate over Western Sydney having a team. I think the surprise is we're about to start the seventh season and there's not a Western Sydney team yet. Um, I, I saw a few sort of comments and from people on the forum saying about you know, Western Sydney have had their chance. Well, no, they haven't. Just the people, well, the people that put their Western bid Sydney together. Yeah, chance, yeah, exactly. So it's just the people that put that particular bid together couldn't get it right. So, yeah. And when you, you know, when you listen to Brendan Schwab and you think about it, 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 it defies logic mm. that the biggest catchment area in terms of registered players in the country is still without an A-League team. Yeah, yeah, it makes no you sense. You know, and the argument that, well, if Sydney FC are only getting seven, 8,000 what's a Western Sydney team isn't that going to cannibalise it I'm not actually sure that holds that much weight because I actually think you know if we look at football around the world it's built on same city derbies Mm. you know and and Sydney without one and with the the amount of players that we have and and just the sheer geography of the city I think it could you know you could argue that Sydney could support three or four teams you know one in the east one in the west one in the north and one in the south yeah yeah, and, and I think that bringing in that Western Sydney team, um, less than sort of cannibalising FC, might reinvigorate them slightly. That you know they might feel with that, you know, um, rivalry kicking off, you know, yeah. that it, it'll be worth getting behind FC more. Yeah, well, on the, on the number of teams that should make up the A League, looking at expansion, um, yeah, it's quite eight split, to ten, eleven percent, eleven to twelve, thirty-two percent, twelve to fourteen, thirty-seven percent, and fourteen plus, eighteen percent. I think we're a years away from fourteen plus, but I, you know, personally, I'd like to see us get to get to twelve as soon as we, you know, within mm. the next sort of couple of years, and then and then push on from there. I mean, resounding ninety-four percent said that the quality uh, of football has improved on the pitch last season, um, which is uh, which is encouraging. Yep. Uh, player wages. Um, this this was another encouraging factor, you know, certainly from a PFA perspective, is that um, players seventy percent believe that the A League players earn a fair amount, and seventeen percent not enough, and two percent nowhere near enough. I think that was the players themselves. <laughs> right, <really>. No, that's <laughs> good. Clicking resend, resend. Um, yeah, that, I mean, we've said this before that we feel that it, it's just about right. I, th- I think a few of the the younger players um, have it a bit tougher, but I mean, they are getting to play football for enough to get by on yeah. at first so yeah I'd, I would say that I completely agree that a fair amount is, is what I'd say a salary cap uh, we asked about that should the A-League lose the salary cap and uh, only 13% said yes 33% said no and 53% said not yet um, mm. 71% thought that imported players were good for the game um, and however a resounding 83% believe that the clubs have not used the marquee system Effectively enough. Well, I mean, I, I'm surprised it's not closer to 100. Yeah. I can't believe you know, anyone can think that it's gone that well. Uh, free to air was a uh, was a huge issue, um, with 78% believing that a move to free to air would assist the development of the A League, and it was the biggest single issue. We asked what was the one most important change that needs to take place for the A League to succeed. 
and a free-to-air presence came top with 36%. Um, also figuring there was a move to boutique stadiums, new administration. Um, but, we asked about hooliganism. Uh, is it an issue uh, in the A-League? And a resounding 85% said no. Um, 81% have witnessed no problems at the A-League this season. Uh, so that, that was encouraging. I think, you know, we'll always get a couple of idiots, but you get that at a local pub. Exactly, yeah. I think by and large, it's, it's absolutely fine. Yeah. We talked about uh, had the FFA done a good job. Um, I was actually quite surprised at this. I thought it was quite balanced. You know, was yeah. like 27% said yes. 15% were unsure. And uh, 58% said no. Mm. I mean, when you read some of the comments on the forums or, you know, when we're chatting to fans, you get the impression that, you know, when that question was out there, I was thinking 80% were going yeah. to say no. So, um, you know, to, to see over a quarter saying, yes, they are doing a good job is is interesting. Well, where, uh, where there was uh, an overwhelming majority was the was 81% said that the FFA don't listen to the needs of the fans enough and 84% don't believe that the FFA have supporters' interests as a primary focus. And yeah. uh, yeah, we, I met with the FFA this week and they are keen to, uh, to go on the record with us for the magazine and take mm. some readers' questions and on these key areas. So uh, we'll be following up on that in the coming months in, before the next A-League season. Uh, on, a, on a personal level, is Ben Buckley the right man to lead the FFA? Um, 54% said no. 12% said yes, and 33% said they don't know. <laughs> a lot of people didn't know. A lot of people didn't, didn't know. <laughs> a lot so. of people haven't made up their mind about Buckley. Yeah. Um, 62% believe that the World Cup bid uh, had a negative impact on the A-League. Again, I'm surprised that that wasn't higher. Mm, I mean, even the, the FFA have come out and been a little bit more open about that and said, well, yeah, look, it, it did. Because they, they run off a relatively small team considering what they're doing and yeah. considering they were bidding for a World Cup. Um, so yeah, I, I would I would think higher on that too. The experience uh, seems not to have dampened uh, fans' enthusiasm to host the World Cup, with 86% saying that, that they believe that Australia should bid for another World Cup. Yeah, I suppose you know the caveats. When do you bid for another one? I think it's you could be looking at 2030 yeah. <laughs> years realistically. Uh, overwhelming majority, 73%. Uh, listed the uh, unfair FIFA bidding process as one of the main factors that contributed to us not winning it. Um, however, also high and 36 and 38% were the actions of the other codes and the lack of support from the mainstream media. Hmm. I, I, I'm not entirely sure about that. I think that was our perception from within. But in terms of how the overall bid process worked, in terms of you know what does a president in South America think about, probably couldn't even tell you anything about AFL. So I think it could have been, you know, some kind of factor, but I don't think it was as big as that, so I wouldn't say. No, I agree. I think, I think if you asked the FIFA executive, if you showed the FIFA executive committee a picture of Andrew Demetrio and David Gallup, I don't <laughs> yeah. think any of them would know it. No. Unless they're saying, is he the man that delivers us our money? <laughs> um, Scooby-Roo got a slating as well. A, qu- a quarter of people. Scooby-Roo took a pound. <laughs> saying that he didn't help the cause. Um, but all in all, we had around 1,500 people uh, answer the survey in about four or five days. Uh, so, you know, we'll probably look to do this uh, every year now so we can look at, you know, trends over, over the years and see where things are improving. Uh, and as we said, we're looking to get the key players from the FFA, Ben Buckley, Lyle Gorman and Carl Patterson, uh, in a room so they can, we can fire your questions at them on all of these issues. So uh, 
keep keep a track on a website for when we'll uh, be looking for those questions. Trev, while we're talking about what's in the magazine, do you want to do a quick update on what we've got in this issue? Yep, Liverpool special. So um, Suarez and Carroll interviews a profile piece on uh, the reinvention of Gerrard. Um, Carragher having a chat specifically about Australia, about the A-League and the Ashes and if he'd possibly come over. Um, got a lot of time for Carragher, haven't we? Because he's a, he's a big 442 fan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> lifelong subscriber. And there's that picture that we've got of him reading a copy of 442 on, on the team bus. So it's good to hear from him. Dale Gleish as well. And I mean, they are flying as well, Liverpool, aren't they? I mean, I, Maxi I, I, Rodriguez. I, I watched them against... Where has he come from? Yeah. I, I watched them against Fulham and just thought they were... Outstanding. Obviously, they're ready to survey in there, and plus, um, or Zulo and Sorota um, over thing, in the, the Neville. Liverpool is when you look at, yeah, I mean, Dalglish has just done a, a phenomenal job there. Um, do, we, do, you, do we think that it's sustainable? Do we think that this is the sort of honeymoon period that, that you often get when you change coaches, and particularly when you bring in a, a club legend like Dalglish? Or do we, have we seen enough to think that he can be the manager there for the next period of their? Mm. of Liverpool's sort of, you know, resurgence and, and can take this forward. I mean, the the rumour is, is that he's very close to being appointed full-time. So Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people get the impression he has been um, appointed full-time. I, I think he's he's having a say on the recruitment of players as well, which would indicate that he's more than likely to, to get the job. I think one of the things that happened at Liverpool, and, and people underestimate this, is how much the off-the-pitch problems affect the players. It probably shouldn't, but look, it, it does. You think? Yeah. I, I, I definitely think it does. I, I don't just think it's Dalglish. I, I just think, you know, it's just that general feel of negativity. Even if it's the fans, you know, having a go at the board. and it's, see, it's so just, I, It resonates through the whole time. I always I thought it was more... I think it was more the fans. I think the players are affected by the fans. Yeah. And the, and fans, the fans are affected by the were against Hodgson. Yeah. And that came through. And, and I said at the time, I think, you know... Even if Dalglish, and, I, and I, dis, you know, I was probably proved wrong because I think he has proved that he is still capable of, yeah. of coaching. I think he's had, made a very, very smart appointment in Steve Clark because I think his role at Chelsea and, and now he's proven his ability there as a coach. Well, well, I mean, at West Ham as well, he came in and com- yeah. completely sorted out a defence. Yeah, you know, so I think, I think he's chosen his, uh, his right-hand man very, uh, very wisely. But I think, you know, one of the most important things that, that Liverpool had to do post-Hodgson was put someone in place that was going to get the fans back on side hmm. because that has the biggest direct impact on the players I think um, you know and, and interestingly you know, Hodgson has gone to West Brom and had success you know he was just the wrong I think he was just the wrong man at the wrong time yeah. the wrong place appointed by the wrong people yeah exactly yeah, yeah. All right. Well, you know certainly Liverpool now are, uh, are firming for, uh, for fifth spot and oh, European football next year Tottenham sixth Tottenham can still finish seventh, I think. I think Everton are six points behind, so Everton would have to win both, and Tottenham would have to lose, you know, both of their games. But it's we're going to get onto this later. But it is Tottenham this weekend, so that's a huge game. All right. Well, on that, we will uh, we will be back after uh, our final break in part four to do a quick EPL review and preview the games coming up this weekend. We all have goals, but sometimes we need a little help along the way. The best advice and assistance on your journey can make an enormous difference. Tiger Management and PR represents up-and-coming and established TV and radio presenters, performers and sportspeople. So if you're wondering how you'll rise to the next level, engage the services of Tiger Management and PR and you'll no longer be alone. 
call 1300 784 212 to find out more or visit tigermanagement.com.au. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to the final part of this week's 442 Insider podcast. We're going to turn our attention to England as the Premier League reaches its climax, or has it already reached it, Trev? Yeah, in, in some Man ways. Man United's victory over Chelsea. Pretty much, yeah. All, all bended it. And a scoreline which flattered Chelsea because Man U steamrolled them, didn't we, really? Well, it was sort of gone in 36 seconds, really, wasn't it? With Hernandez's goal, um, yeah. It, so quickly after the restart, I mean, he, he does his little prayer on the centre spot. Works. Did he, you know, he's probably the best advert for religion I've seen this week. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, I mean, just such a cr- cracking signing, wasn't he? From nowhere, really. Saw him in the World Cup, seemed to, you know, have a little bit of potential to be like a Solskjaer off the bench type player who might chip in. He's been way more than that. And he, you know, with the Champions League final um, coming up, he, he could put his name in lights even further than he has at the moment. Yeah, Arsenal's uh, fizzling out. The season continued with a 3-1 defeat at Stoke. <laughs> Every season. <laughs> they get into this last little run. It doesn't matter who they're playing, but they just they can't seem to keep it together. I know there's been a lot of talk. Um, Samba, the Blackburn centre-back, who was out of this world against West Ham. Absolutely brilliant player. Um, nearly signed for Arsenal in January, and he's exactly the sort of you know, play perfect for the Premier League. You know, massive lump at the back, and um, I think they're, they're a good you know shout of chasing him in the summer and getting him. Let's talk about West Ham. One-one oh, draw with Blackburn. Yeah, not enough really. You needed to win that. We did. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we had much of a chance anyway because we. The thing is, we've been playing badly all season, and then everyone said, "Oh, if we can only win our last three games, we've not won any games all season. Why are we going to win our last three? <laughs> um, but yeah, we we should have. Robbie Keane, you you cannot blame any one person or one moment. But, for, but I'm going to. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just an absolute sit and miss of the season when it was one all with a minute to go. But he, he's done that the whole time he's been at West Ham. He's he's missed one on ones and open. Part of the goal he scored against Villa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, he yeah, always scores against us. Generally, um, he scored enough his first game against Blackpool as well. But he's gone. Uh, he's a player that's gone way off the boil, and he'll go back to Tottenham when West Ham go down. And it's then who, who's going to pick him up? Perhaps one of the promoted teams, perhaps yeah. Norwich or someone like that might QPR might pick him up. We'll see which uh, team he claims to have supported as a boy. <laughs> yeah. I've always been a Norwich fan. Always dreamed of turning out. <laughs> They're massive in Ireland, Norwich. <laughs> Um, Villa, damp squib, Wigan. We made Wigan look good for about seventy minutes of this game. I mean, no, like I'm resigned. I just want the season. As I was going to say, I mean, I'm resigned to relegation. But you're also getting that little West Ham had it under Redknapp's last season that we were sort of down there and we weren't going to go down. We weren't going to get any higher, and it was it was just going through the motions, isn't it? Just getting. To we the got Arsenal line. and Liverpool to finish. So it's like. Can't really see us getting anything out there. Spurs are another team that, uh, you know, it seemed to have struggled in the in the, the final running, probably with the demands of champion, balancing Champions League football and Premier League football for the first time. Yeah, uh, they needed a Jermaine Defoe goal in the you know, in the 89th minute to get a draw at home to Blackpool uh, to stop Blackpool doing the double over him. Yeah, I mean, it, it's an interesting discussion, isn't it? Um, is it a good season for Tottenham? quarterfinals of the Champions League and, and probably sixth. I think the Champions League has, has somewhat saved their season that 
the the problem is, I, I think I read out of a possible 18 points against West Brom, Wolves, Blackpool, Wigan and West Ham, they've picked up five. You know, they failed to beat West Ham at home. You know, they failed to beat Blackpool at home the other week. That's their problem. We say about how Man U win the title each season by swatting aside the teams that they should. And that's what think, Tottenham I, need to I mean, learn to do. But also, if you look at... Yeah, Man United will probably field what you would call a weakened team this weekend. But that weakened team will include a player in Nani, mm. who most people would have... A lot of people would have picked him for player of the year. Yeah. And the Premier League's leading scorer in Berbatov, neither of whom are starting at the moment. Yeah. You know, is the is Spurs' issue that, you know, they've got a team, but then when they come and then you know, after playing Real Madrid away, they then got Stoke away and it's like that team finds it difficult to lift again. Whereas Ferguson has been rotating his team, but the players that he's been bringing in are hungry to prove a point and, and are actually interchangeable premiership players. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't, like I said, I do still think it's been a great season. I mean, Tottenham fans will talk about getting to watch their team regardless of the result, playing the Bernabeu. And, you know, sixth, um, you know, six is absolutely fine. I, I'm just making the point that if they could have just got a few more extra points over the line against teams they should have been beaten. But one thing I wanted to bring up, and I, I, I don't know the answer to this, and I was hoping you would, because Arsenal lost the League Cup, does that has that cost Tottenham the place? So when yeah. Tottenham fans were rejoicing from Arsenal losing that League Cup final against Birmingham, that's what cost them. Well, yeah, because because what's happening is that traditionally one of the top four sides has won the Carling Cup and the FA Cup yeah. generally, whereas this year Blues have won the Carling Cup and there's a there's a European place attached to the winners, but only which the winner has traditionally it? gone down to the to the league. So if the runner if if Man United have won the Carling Cup, and like last season, Man United won the Carling Cup, Villa were runners-up, but Villa didn't get into Europe because Man United got the Champions League. If, if a top-four side wins the Carling Cup, that European spot goes to the league, so yeah. that makes sixth. But that's not the same with the FA Cup, is it? Because the runner-up no, in the, the runner FA, up Cup in the FA does Cup. get So if Man City win the FA Cup, Stoke is still in Europe. Mm. So, I mean, that, that's a, a real irony for Tottenham, isn't it? Yeah. To rejoice in that shock final loss, and it's the reason. But, you know, as we were discussing in the office this week, they're not that bothered about being in the Europa League, are they, Tottenham? Red Naps no, Red Naps are treated with complete disdain. And I've got to be honest, you know, when we see... When was it Bolton qualified and put out reserve teams? You know, Gary <laughs> Megson saying yeah. it's not my priority. Sort of, it's got that danger of becoming a bit of a nothing event, really. Yeah. I'd like to see it just go a straight knockout. Yeah, same. Two legs. Because you, know, you, you give it a whirl, and if you, if you go out, you go out. You haven't mm. got to play any meaningless games. And, uh, but anyway, I mean, you look, at the, you look at the teams, though, and you look at Liverpool, who are you know, resurgent, the, the quality that, they, that they're bringing in, the money that they, they are rumoured to be having on players, you know, it's going to get even more difficult for Spurs to claim that fourth spot back or any team to claim that fourth spot back because realistically now you're looking at possibly seven or eight teams. Um, you know, I'd like to think that this is a blip for Villa and, you know, with the amount of money that they've got to spend. And, it, and it, OK, they might end up selling Ashley Young, but they'll get good money for him and have the opportunity to bring people in. But you'd think that, you know, Everton, Villa, you've probably got eight or nine teams that are going to be fighting for, not necessarily all fighting for fourth, but that fifth and sixth spot is going to become mm. even harder to get, or as it, hard as fourth. It, it's a bit of a crossroads summer for Tottenham, because Man City are going to go out and spend more money, of course they are. <laughs> Liverpool, in our mag this month, are saying that they're going to go out and spend more money. 
do Tottenham go down the same route? Do they throw money at it? But they've normally been quite shrewd operators, so they're more likely to try and retain the players they've got. And Harry gets a cheeky deal, or, you know, dodgy Brazilian from somewhere. Well, I heard Ben up say that he, you know, he interviewed the BBC that he was looking at moving a few players out. You know, they've got players out on loan, like David Bentley was at Blues. You know, he's on big Keane. money. He's Robbie on big Keane money. Well. Robbie Keane would be on big money. And if they can move them along, that'll free up some some money for them to bring players in. Um, but yeah, I certainly got the impression that they, they haven't got 50, 60 million to go and pay on transfer fees and bringing in players on 100 grand a week. And obviously the challenge is, can they keep hold of Modric, Van der Vaart when they're not in Europe or, or certainly not in the Champions League? Mm. All right, well look, this weekend, we now move on to, to a critical weekend. Uh, Saturday sees Blackburn host Man United. Man United only need a point to wrap up the title. Um, for you know, mathematically they could still lose it, but it's very unlikely. But a point would do it. Um, Blackpool, Bolton, Bolton Ooh. seem to have sort of shut up shop for the summer, um, which <laughs> gives Blackpool they? every chance of, uh, of potentially getting a result there. Did you see Ian Holloway's comment about the final game of the season? Because no. I, so I was talking to Fergie and I said to him, "Oh, you'll play a reserve team um, the last game of the season." We'll still lose, though, won't we? So that must feel great if you're a Blackpool player. <laughs> you will lose against Man U Reserve, guys. Uh, Sunderland Wolves. Uh, Wolves scrapping for their lives. Massive win for Wolves in the yeah. the, the Black Country derby. Uh, 3-1 against West Brom, which took them out of the relegation zone uh, by a point. Um, all the games on Saturday. West Brom Everton rounds out the Saturday games. Now, all the games on Saturday are kicking off at 12.45. Why, Trev? I don't know. FA, the FA Cup, Cup that's final. it, yeah, FA Cup. Yeah, it's a bit of an anomaly. That the FA, yeah, this is madness. The it's FA cool. Cup final is going on. Normally, it's the, the, the game at the end of the season, uh, but it's been brought forward this year because of the Champions League final being at Wembley and uh, UEFA demand what they call a clean stadium, i.e. You know, they go in two weeks prior to the Champions League and replace all the signage and that. So it's a two-week window that they need. So hence the FA Cup final is taking place, slap-bang in the middle of the last two rounds of the, the Premier League. So that will be played at its traditional time, 3 o'clock Saturday afternoon. Sunday sees Chelsea host Newcastle in the early game, Villa away at Arsenal, Birmingham, Fulham, Liverpool, Spurs, critical Battle there for uh, fifth. Yeah, so Tottenham would definitely be out of fifth if they lose that. And Wigan so. West Ham. Oh, I think we're going to win that. But. Really? Yeah, I think so. I, I, th- I think that there's a bit of a feeling, even during the the Blackburn game, that, that West Ham players think they're down. So, you know, it's it's still mathematically possible. But as soon as you start using the phrase "mathematically possible," you're down. yeah, you're, t- yeah. <laughs> you're down. Uh, I mean, like, so let's. I mean, let's just have a quick look at that. You probably say, you know, Villa are now safe. Um, they've got a nine goal difference and the team's is six points below two games to go although it could be by the skin of their teeth because I wouldn't fancy Villa to get much away at Arsenal or at home to Liverpool at the moment um, but then beyond that you've got Blackburn on 39 points Birmingham on 39 points Wolves on 37 Blackpool on 36 Wigan on 36 and West Ham on 33 um, all with two games to play so any of those Six clubs could still go down. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that um, Blackburn and, and Birmingham will, will say that they're a draw away from being okay. I think they'll hit their magic forty points, and yeah, they they should be all right. I, I think as it sits at the moment, it's probably the most like most likely purely because you know as Holloway said, even though Blackpool will play a Man U reserve team in the last game of the season, that 
will probably be enough to send him down, I think. Okay. Uh, so who's your tips then? To go, three? to go down, yeah. I think that considering Wolves have got away to Sunderland then home to Blackburn um, and they're already sitting out of the relegation zone by a point, I think they'll do enough in those games. So I think it'll be Blackpool, Wigan and West Ham. So as it is. As it is, yeah. And we could still, you know, face that scenario whereby all the games are kicking off at the same time and, and teams are in and out of the relegation zone during the 90 minutes. Yeah, which, I mean, I'm not which just... Which is horrible for the fans, but, uh, but yeah. great for the neutrals. I'm not just saying this as a, as a West Ham fan, but if West Ham went and won at Wigan, that would set up a absolutely cracking final day. Um, and by a bizarre coincidence... <laughs> what have you noticed? Man City plays Stoke on Tuesday night. In a oh. replay of the FA Cup final. Yeah, it's hardly giving me revenge, is it, for whoever's... <laughs> All right, let's talk quickly about FA Cup final, Man City-Stoke. Yep. Um, How do you see it going? I've been blown away for, by Stoke. I mean, when we were previewing them at the beginning of the season, there was a lot of talk of problems behind the scenes and they'd be involved with relegation scrap. And they've had a really tough run-in because I, I still felt that they were a danger to go down um, about a month ago, about six weeks ago. But they've got results against very good sides. Um, you know, most recently Arsenal. So they've got the ability and they've got the style of play which can thwart a club like Man City. So I think it's going to be pretty close, especially as Man City are, are you know, notoriously pragmatic under Mancini. They're not going to go there and try and smash a you know, lesser team out of the park. He'll go there and try and grind out a 1-0 cup final victory. Um, and if Stoke can can get their noses in front or, or stay level pegging going into the, the final stages, I think it'll be close. I'm going to go 1-0 City, though. 1-0 City. Well, certainly uh, contrasting managers. You've got uh, Roberto Mancini, all Italian, yeah, suave. looking great. Yeah, quaff rude hair, you yeah. know, slightly distinguished grey. And then you've got tracksuit Tony. You've got your uncle in a tracksuit. <laughs> tracksuit Tony with his baseball cap on. <laughs> Uh, will he put a suit on to walk out? Let's yeah. hope he will. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a big deal, isn't it? Because I remember Pardew at West Ham was a, a tracksuit manager. It's a big deal when they get suited and booted up, keep your suit, maybe go Liverpool, all white suit. Well, I mean, one of, you know, one of the things that I am quite looking forward to is, is seeing an FA Cup final with two sides that haven't won anything for, for a long time. Uh, two of the more vocal sets of supporters. With, uh, it'll be Delilah versus Blue Moon before yeah. kick-off. Um, so it should be a good spectacle, and, and you know, and I think, yeah, I was listening to someone talk about this. You know, football for me is like not everyone can or has to play like Barcelona. Yeah. You know, as long as it's within the laws of the game, you know, football's about contrasting styles and picking the right system to fit your players. And if you haven't got Lionel Messi in your team, it's difficult to play as if you have. You know, yeah. so. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the contrasting styles. It'll be interesting to see whether Rory Delap manages to get some towels onto the Wembley, uh, into the Wembley ball boys' hands. But, uh, but yeah, so, uh, what, so 1-0 you, Trev. I'm going to go... 1-0 Tevez penalty. I'm going to go for an upset. Come on, the Potters. Yeah, I, I don't, you know, I certainly don't think when you look at that Man City team that costs $1.5 billion to put together <laughs> against that Stoke team that got a guy who could throw far from Derby... Um, I don't think it, it will be that big a golf. I, I, I think um, I can see Stoke kind of sticking in the game until the latest state. Right up until the last minute, there'll be a chance to get themselves back into it. Odds on Balotelli losing it at some point. Yeah, this is, he will love a big stage to go mad. Yeah. Uh, now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tip Stoke after extra time. I think it's going to be tight. I think it's going to go to extra time, and I think Stoke will nick it. I hope so. All right, that's it. 
for this week's 442 Insider Podcast. Thanks, Trev. Cheers. We will be back next week to uh, pick the bones out of the Premier League, the FA Cup final, and any other football that's going on. So uh, stay with us. Enjoy your football this weekend. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.